Sound. It's something we take for granted. We pick and choose what we want to hear. We selectively listen to the world around us. And we expect certain noises to reflect certain scenarios. As a daily commuter living in the metropolitan area, I fall into the category of just another New Yorker. I often consider moving away from the Big Apple when I graduate. Maybe finding myself in quieter areas of this world. <laughs> Although that probably won't happen, I get immense enjoyment dreaming of the day my future landlord hands me the keys to my luxury LA mansion. I don't actually live in the city now. I make my way to Port Authority every day from the peaceful suburbs of Jersey. Although I've been doing this for a little over a year, I still get excited on the bus every morning when I see the skyline. You know, people spend their entire life working just to get one chance to come out to Gotham. And I get to hop on a bus every day and be here in under a half hour. It's pretty cool, I guess. We can come back now. Concrete jungle. I always thought that was the most accurate description for New York. Jungles are packed with interesting sounds, noises, jingles, swishes, clatters, clinks, clanks, rattles, rings, rustles, tunes, hums, echoes, thuds, smashes, vibrations, dins, rackets, clamors, blasts, blares, uproars, hullabaloos, hisses, whooshes, whistles, and so on. So is New York. But in New York, it's man-made. When I did live in Brooklyn, my favorite part of the day was leaving Manhattan to get to my semi-quiet neighborhood of East Williamsburg. But every morning, I was inevitably and oddly eager to get back on the other side of the East River. I realized the reason for this was the energy, and more specifically, the noise. It woke me up, motivated me, inspired me, and kept me on my toes. However, after a while, the sound started to become more of a menu for me. I was just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you... <laughs> 
I could selectively listen in and snoop on certain specific subjects. I would find myself listening to just one conversation on the L train, or one person singing along to the song in their AirPods. I would try to see if I could just focus on a particular noise and block everything else out. The concept of silence, it's fabricated. The big mosh pit of noises this city produces is just as silent as an empty sports stadium. When I'm not in interrogation mode, the sounds of New York still get jumbled up altogether, and I forget there's even any noise surrounding me as I walk down Fifth Ave. It gets lost in our unconscious, and us humans don't even realize the endless dialogue, the cabs beeping, the subways roaring, the dogs barking, the bands playing, the bums begging, the couples yelling, the tourists chatting, the buses breaking, the feet stepping, the babies crying, the preachers preaching, and so on. We don't hear any of that. We don't have time to listen to that. We're listening to our thoughts. We're listening to ourselves and what we're going to do next. It's New York for crying out loud. We block out everything and choose to listen to nothing other than ourselves. So, one day, when I was sitting in a music history course I registered for, I pretty much figured all of this out. About halfway through the semester, we dedicated an entire week to learning about an American composer by the name of John Cage. As many people know, he is perhaps most known for his famous or infamous 1952 composition piece titled 433. In this composition, the present musicians perform in the absence of deliberate sound and do nothing but be present for the duration specified by the title, 4 minutes and 33 seconds. This fascinated me, beyond my comprehension. Yes, this sound memory is not necessarily a memory from sound at all, but the myth of silence. When I first heard this composition piece, I was confused, but I also completely understood what was going on. It was not about the absence of music at all, but the sound of the environment heard by the audience. I was sitting in class, listening to nothing, but was I really listening to nothing? No.
I was listening to my classroom radiator. Professor was lecturing from rooms away. My peers getting up to use the bathroom. And basically everything that was filling in the silence of the composition. The point of this piece was to listen. The point of radio is to listen. There is a strong correlation here and a clear connection between the audience and the performer. This sound, or lack of, has stuck with me for years, and it's something I will always think of in silent situations. Even if I ever decide it's time to actually move to LA, even if I never go back into Manhattan again, sound will still be there. When a tree falls in a forest, it does make a noise. It doesn't matter if no one heard. Even during John Cage's 433, sound is still there. Maybe even more so than when the musicians are actually playing their instruments. See, when we hear the orchestra playing collectively, with hundreds of different instruments all coming together to create a coherent sound. Who's to say the noises of hundreds of people trying to sit silently isn't just as coherent of a sound? Who's to say the mosh pit of New York ambiance is any different than the silence of John Cage's 433? Silence is fake. It does not exist. As much as people can try to capture the concept, it will never be accomplished. Even in the most silent space in the universe, we will still hear our heart pumping, our mouth watering, our mind thinking. Just as I am able to selectively separate specific sounds throughout my days in New York, the audience at John Cage's performances can start to learn how to do the same. They can hear a cough, a sneeze, a sniff, a leg move, a foot tap, a whisper, a swallow, a heater, an air conditioner, a door, a child, an adult, and so on. Just like the jungles that inhabit this earth. Concrete or not.